Hello, everybody, and welcome to another NPC's weekly news live stream for the week of May 7th, 2021. Tonight, we will be talking about the new Game Builder Garage game announced from Nintendo that allows you to program your own game. We'll also be talking about the Division Heartland announced, as well as a mobile version of the game on its way sometime this year, early next year. And last but not least, we, of course, will also be talking about a brand new speedrun record in the Titanfall 2 Gauntlet. Again, it is May 7th, 2021. We're going to roll that intro and get things started. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another NPC's Weekly News Roundup for the week of November 20th, 2020. It is Friday. It is, uh, where's my date? It's September 18th, 2020. Here's our first story, and this is actually breaking news for all of us right now here, too. Figured this is a, kind of a big one to cover, of course, with who it is. Joined via Discord by Kyle because we're in the midst of a pandemic still, and of course, everything is all kinds of crazy. So uh, this thing is a chocker. I mean... Yeah, it's a beast. It's huge. Doing a... Um, that we had the Resident Evil stuff, that they were successful at Castlevania. Welcome to another NPC's weekly news roundup. And it's the news time. I am joined, of course, by Kyle via Discord. Kyle, hello. What's up, man? Again, guys, it is May 7th, 2021. Welcome, everybody. Kyle, hello, dude. How are you doing, buddy? What's up? Dude, are you uh, are you done cooking your computer? You know, done with uh, killing those dinosaurs so much that your computer had to basically uh, overeat, turn back into a meteorite? I don't know. I don't know. I I might have to go at it again here, maybe later tonight. It I I really enjoyed that game, but ah <laughs> uh, man, it's worrisome. I I I screwed with the fan bios though. So good. Yeah. So hopefully, uh, we'll we'll see. Yeah. So as a uh, kind of what's going on there. So Second Extinction is a game that came out. Um, it's currently in beta, I think is what it is right now. Right, Kyle? Uh, it's in Is it beta or alpha? Yeah, whatever. I guess whatever yeah. you want to call that kind of weird middle ground. I, I, beta, but not beta. Um, so that's out from uh, Microsoft right now. It's Well, it's, public, or it's on Xbox right now, of course, through Game Pass for uh, the Xbox and Game Pass for PC. Kyle and I checked it out last night, and in the midst of a mob of about 40 to 50 dinosaurs as we're trying to overtake a point, Kyle's computer decided to crash because his brand-new billion-dollar PC cannot keep itself cool enough. So Kyle needs Apparently. to invest in coolers. Yep. And, yep. Um, and of course, uh, outside of that being the hottest thing in the world, of course, uh, we had our new episode, of course, in partnership with Open Critic Drop, their weekly recap. So uh, if you want to go check that out, go and check that out. Um, we dropped the link on our Facebook page um, over on Buzzsprout. Just go look for Open Critic Weekly Recap, uh, recap, recap and uh, give that a listen and uh, let us know what you think about us doing the news there as well, too. But even with that news, we've still got more to talk about. So we're going to hop right into it with the first story and the title story of tonight's episode. From The Verge, Walmart's unannounced cloud gaming service detailed in confidential Epic emails. Walmart's unannounced cloud gaming service codenamed Project Storm has been detailed in new confidential emails. An exhibit in the Epic Games vs. Apple trial reveals Walmart's effort to pitch its cloud gaming services to Epic Games and get Fortnite on board. I played Walmart demo, uh, Walmart's demo on an Android phone with an Xbox controller, and the experience felt like playing on PlayStation 4 and superior to playing on Android or iOS, says Epic, Game uh, Epic Games co-founder Mark Ryan in an email thread from April 2019. Ryan also excitedly shares a photo of a game clip with the rest of the uh, Epic Games executive team showing how Walmart was planning to sell this in stores to let a phone attach to a controller. They're going to sell it uh, to sell the clip for a crazy low amount. They were saying something like $2, said Ryan. 
A presentation attached to the email shows how Walmart uh, had been pitching the cloud gaming service to publishers like Epic Games. The company was planning to run the service on Windows with third-party la uh, game launchers like Steam, Uplay, Origin, Epic Game Store, Battle.net, and Bethesda Launcher supported. It's not clear from Walmart's presentation when the company planned to launch its service with a beta period originally set to launch in July 2019. An early mock-up of the user experience looks very similar to other cloud gaming services with a list of games, genres, and a search function. Walmart was planning what it described as an open ecosystem with the ability to stream from the cloud or download and play games locally. The technology behind Walmart's cloud gaming service is Liquid Sky, a service Walmart acquired. Liquid Sky was previously powered by IBM's cl uh, IBM Cloud's bare metal servers and NVIDIA GPUs, and it appears to offer a powerful Windows PC for cloud gaming. Epic Games was one of the many publishers to which Walmart pitched. Reports originally surfaced about Walmart's plans in 2019, but the company has still not officially announced any cloud gaming service. Sources familiar with Walmart's plans tell The Verge that some publishers and developers had signed up to produce or host games on Walmart's service, but that the launch had been put on hold once the pandemic began last year. It's not clear if Walmart's cloud gaming service will still launch. We reached out to Walmart to comment on Project Storm, but the company did not respond in time for publication. There is a couple more blurbs there, but, um, you know, it's whatever, I guess, on that part. But let's talk about this a little bit, Kyle. Um, I honestly, um, it's, are, it's not a surprise. It's not a surprise that Walmart is actually hopping into the foray to do this because they've done this type of thing in the past. Not the cloud gaming, but this type of thing. Yeah, not at all. Um, and, you know, in comparison to a service like uh the geforce what is it geforce now or whatever mm -hmm. yep. um it it has a physical storefront where you can go and you can buy games or at least buy codes and then you know you just go home and put them on your your computer or whatever so i mean that i i, I guess it bridges a, a slight gap there and it, it does something that people want anyway it brings all your games to one location so, I mean, it is similar to the GeForce Now service. I I feel like it just just having having the ability to go to Walmart though and purchase cards for it, purchase the uh, membership cards and whatnot, and you know, it, it makes it more accessible. I feel like. I guess so. I think the biggest problem I see with this though is the competition within walmart itself because you can walk by the aisle the video game aisle there in the electronics mm -hmm. area and of course you've got all the different subscription cards whether it's for xbox game pass whether it's for um even just xbox live in general at least you know before game pass or before um ultimate became a thing with um uh with xbox you've still got the playstation mm -hmm. plus cards over there you've got stuff for nintendo switch online you've got stuff for geforce now you've got stuff for battle.net you've got them for all the different offerings mm -hmm. that are out there um i think stadia stuff is there or you might be able to redeem like google play uh credit with it though too i'm not exactly sure but it puts another layer of competition within their stores themselves and being one of their own products i wonder if i I wonder if almost depending on the sales of different things, if it would end up becoming a little bit more anti-competitive in that regard. And that's where Walmart yeah. might falter a little bit. I mean, what you would know this being a uh, former employee of GameStop when Walmart did their used video games back in um, what was it? The middle of the last decade, I think it was 2013 or 2014. 
how did that actually do for them from what you understand? What did it do on your side, GameStop-wise? Literally nothing. Yeah. And yeah. see, that that was where um, I thought that was an I, interesting thing for them to enter. But for you, I had figured it probably wouldn't have done much. Yeah, because um, at our location, um, I think they tried it for all of a week. And we had people that came in and they were like, we took these games into Walmart and they didn't even know what they were looking at. So it's and more it's like, like, oh, so, you know, they, they, they really they, they had no system set up in order to to actually judge the value of the game. Um, you know, they, they didn't okay. have a predetermined, you know, system set up to say, oh, we have this many units. So, you know, we can only buy it at this much. And, you know, the it would change, you know, on its own, depending on, you know, how many units were available in the company and what it was going for, you know, online per se. So, okay. so you're talking that the experience was pretty well hindered because while they were trying to offer a competitive service to what GameStop is known for and that Best Buy was doing as well, they didn't mm -hmm. have the the knowledge and experience behind it to really make it that compelling of a deal because the it was just your standard sales associate really right that was taking yeah, stuff in. No, yeah knowledge experience and i i don't think they had the tools because if they would have had systems like i said set up to actually you know determine value of games and what what games would have value to the gamers you know and what games hold value what games lose value mm -hmm. and whatnot because people were taking in games that you know, they had just bought and they were getting like nothing and they were taking a, a game that was on sale, it discounted or even clearanced and they were getting lots of money. The The system was messed up. Yeah. And like, it seems they, like they just didn't do any research into it. I don't feel like. Yeah. And it seems like especially for them, I mean. Obviously, of course, Walmart has a huge, huge database of all these different metrics on how things sell. I mean, look at how it is when you walk into a Walmart and, of course, when they're getting ready to do the the seasonal changes and the way they place things up in front. You know, I mean, every store is like that anyway. But Walmart's big enough and has enough customers come through, especially even in the electronics area mm -hmm. when like you live in a town like ours where we don't even have a Best Buy. Uh, Micro Center is a few hours away for computer stuff. You know, they're getting big into the gaming stuff, uh, PC gaming side, but they've got enough data that they should have been able to, at least on the used game front, be able to say, okay, in new games, we know that games on this console made by this publisher, made by this developer, are what sell. And we know that if they come in, that we could pay a higher premium on them, you know, lower than what it is for being a new game anyway, but a higher premium to... Mm -hmm um get that used game in and then sell it of course for another markup and make all that profit um it just sounds like you know they had all that data available and they just didn't utilize it like you were saying it makes me think that the cloud gaming stuff is going to be the same all, kind of the same way like because they could look at sales of the gift cards for game pass you know look mm -hmm. at the sale like they could go and pull metrics at least of like what are the games on game pass and what's playstation plus offering for free like what's on playstation now that everybody can play what's geforce now got access to what's stadia got coming up there are all these things they can go and research and pull in to be able to do a lot of that stuff but if as you said in the past with the used games they're probably not going to be able to do it um right. i think it's just going to end up being another one of those 
Um, probably something that they'll launch for the short term, and then it'll probably either split off to something else or sell out to something else. I just, I just don't see this as something viable for Walmart. I, I don't see it as being viable in the long run for Walmart. Um, I, I know that there has been a struggle with publishers and the GeForce Now service, you know, that, yeah, you're, you're bringing your own games to play, but who hosts them and then who has the right to host them? Because who's who says that they have the license to be able to host the game that you own? You know, mm-hmm. there there's a lot of legal hoops to jump through. And I, I see it being more of a financial headache for, for Walmart than what it's worth. And Walmart's yeah. a juggernaut that they'll put up with some headaches, but I, I don't see them doing it with this. I see it probably entering some type of either open or closed beta, and then a very soft release, and then it spinning off to something else. I just don't see mm-hmm. it as being something viable. I think there's too many other cloud services out there for Walmart to actually put a dent in things, unless the price ends up being that good and the integration with everything. But because this is really looking at more of like game streaming and of course the integration with PC storefronts, like it said, Steam, Mm -hmm. Origin, Battle.net, it's like you have to be a PC gamer to really be able to take advantage of this. And I think for a lot of us who are PC gamers, I'm, I'm not quoting for everybody, but I think for a lot of us as PC gamers, we want the full experience that our computers are able to put out. And that in, that's not playing on a controller, on a phone, um, over the internet, you know, playing the, where the game is on someone else's computer. It's being right at your desk, like we are right now, with your gaming computer next to you and playing that game, mm-hmm. you know, at its fullest potential, at least whatever your specs, of course, can support. But I don't see that being the market itself. Now, if you start to see them... Do something that was more akin to console games making their way here, which will probably never happen. Then okay, maybe you can see that, but I don't see the value in it yet. I still don't see the value here for it because it requires on too many other external factors to make it work. Um, the value I see is that there. The, I feel like there is a large audience of people that can't necessarily afford gaming computers that would like to be able to play the uh high quality triple a pc games and i i i feel like that'd be the audience that they'd be trying to hit i guess if i guess if like my kid had his previous computer still and there was a game that required just resources that his computer could not handle to get like the full experience that's definitely you know i can definitely see that as being the market for sure i think you're definitely on the right track with that one um, and I just don't I, think it's big enough. I mean, I, I feel I like really now would be the the tipping point where it should be at you know the forefront, especially of where we're at now with not having this uh, semiconductors available uh, to to put out game systems, to put out graphics cards. You know, this is this is where cloud gaming should be uh, shining, and it's it's really not. Yeah, you would think that this would be so. a use case right now with exactly like with the current situation. But the other question then mm-hmm. is because like uh, Stadia uses AMD architecture, uses mm-hmm. AMD GPUs and AMD Epic CPUs to be able to actually handle Stadia uh, gameplay. 
The right. problem, though, of course, is exactly that, is that the chip shortage is not just affecting you and me and the regular Joe Schmo consumer. It's affecting enterprise as well. So oh, yeah. unless unless the company they acquired, Liquid Sky, ha is sitting on a boatload of GPUs and can allocate GPU resources enough properly to be able to give somebody at least a good 1080p, 60fps experience, mm -hmm. I, I think that's where it's going to falter. Is it's going to be? Yeah. I think it's the audience, and then it's the, going to be the hardware, because you can't you can't expect somebody to go and pay for your service to give you access to your games remotely unless you're expecting like a quality bump up from what you do now. Otherwise, you're just pissing money away. I fully agree. Yeah, yeah. So it, it is interesting to see that they were exploring this. It's not surprising. Um, it's great to actually see though that this kind of came up as part of the. Uh, uh, as part of the exhibits and such for um, for the Epic versus Apple lawsuit. There's a couple other things that came up too that we don't have stories on here, but we know, like we'll make quick mentions of them before we move on to the next stories here, but there was um, the email between, um, uh, God, who is it? Um, God, why am I forgetting his name already? Uh, the head of Xbox. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, there was an email between him and I think it was Tim uh, Sweeney. Phil Spencer. Phil Spencer, yeah, between Phil Spencer yeah. and Tim Sweeney about uh, working towards like supporting uh, uh, game streaming or xCloud on other consoles. And a lot of people were kind of taking that as the, you know, the discussion point about xCloud and, and game streaming making it to the Switch, because that's been a rumor for several months now. Uh, let's see what else was there. We had the financials, of course, too, where it showed how much money... Um, how much money Epic has made. Um, there was also something about in the news today, specifically talking about how Microsoft um, actually said that they take a loss on all of their gaming hardware um, and that they rely more on game sales and game subscriptions to actually uh, offset the, the loss. And I guess Apple got pissed off at that because that was material that wasn't submitted. Um, there's just been a litany of things too. I mean, hell, there's even emails from Steve Jobs coming up as well in a lot of this. That's insane. And it deals a lot of it deals with um, additional app integration into stuff like a big battle between Apple and Facebook because Facebook wanted to release a Facebook Games app because of course you know they had Farmville at that point in time. They had that like Mafia Wars thing, whatever it was when they had their Flash games on Facebook. They were going to release a separate app for that. Steve Jobs and the other people at Apple didn't like that either. Uh, because, of course, it, it would take away from them. So they said, OK, you can release the app with these rules. And it effectively the rules basically came down to say. It's like we can't release the app like it, it shut out Facebook from releasing it. So it was, it was another interesting one to actually see in the grand scheme of it all. Yeah, I, I saw one that um, they were trying to turn at, um, Epic versus Apple into uh, Microsoft versus Xbox, and yes, I I did say Microsoft versus Xbox, uh, specifically like mm -hmm. PC gaming versus the console gaming side of it, and just mm -hmm. I don't know. The litigation is getting very bizarre at this point. Well, see, and that's why I had brought it up. If you remember, at the um, end of 2019, beginning of 2020, when we did our um, you know, kind of looking ahead to 2020 episode mm -hmm. uh, with you, you, me, Preston and Dan, where I had talked about the potential, you know, looking at like the Xbox Series X with the power they're talking about, about being a dual use console 
that it would be a gaming yeah. PC and a game console in one with some sort of partitioned environment to allow for gaming on one side, you know, it was all secure in that because, you know, you don't want hacking or anything. And then on the other side was a full-fledged PC that could play games or, um, you know, still just be a standard PC. I talked about that, and I think that's where a lot of stuff is still really going to, even if it may not be with the Series X, it could be with the next iteration. But I think that war that you talk about perfectly describes what's probably coming next for the xbox environment and i mm -hmm. think that's what's going to we're going to be seeing more and more of especially as more exhibits come out more evidence comes out more talking points comes out about this that we're going to be seeing a lot of that bridge too but it's not a shock that they're pitting their the way that war goes especially apple and microsoft for how long they've they had been at war and you know made up and then still at war anyway um yeah that they would do something like this too and show some of that as well so it's not a surprise it really is not but i digress um but for anybody of course who wants to go uh check out more of the chaos that there is right now with the epic versus apple uh lawsuit um head over here to this article that we're looking at on the verge and they've got a big um list of articles they're up to 71 now uh, right now talking just about this and this case only just opened up this week like to go to regular regular session not pre-trial stuff this is regular stuff now and it's gotten crazy so be sure to go check that out but in the meantime we're going to move on here to our next story and kyle's going to talk to us about this because this was definitely a surprise uh from ign uh let's see where am i where's my link here there it is uh from ign nintendo announces game builder garage a cross between labo and dreams what is this game all about, Kyle? Nintendo has announced Game Builder Garage, a new game that will let you learn to make games from the minds at Nintendo. Its guided lessons and cute characters are designed to help you create a multitude of gaming experiences. On the face of it, it the new game looks a lot like Dreams, which was released on the PlayStation 4 in early 2020. It also seems to be in the spirit of Labo, which encouraged kids... Uh, to craft unique items using cardboard. Uh, Game Builder Garage is de designed to teach visual programming by connecting creatures called uh, Nodon. Uh, there are dozens of Nodon in Game Builder Garage, each with its own unique functions. Lessons will be available to teach you the basics of uh, designing games with free programming modes available for those who want to go wild. The experience uh, touted in the trailer included platformers, shoot 'em ups, and something called Tuna Cube Factory 2. Uh, it was also possible to exchange and download games over the internet via local wireless, uh, which you can then ex uh, examine uh, via free programming mode to learn the inner workings. The aid in developer or development game builder garage. Uh, will support a compatible mouse, which can be plugged into the USB port on the Switch dock. Oh, wow. Mouse is on the Switch. <laughs> uh, the announcement comes ahead of the Nintendo earnings release, which is expected tomorrow. Uh, Game Builder Garage will release June 11th on Nintendo Switch. And, of course, this article was on the 5th, so the... Uh, the uh, Nintendo earnings release already came out because we'll talk about that here in just a moment. Yep. Yeah. I got the trailer going here now, of course, showing off some of the things. And this really, 
This game really looks like, of course, um, the way code blocks work for kids. I don't know if you've seen any of that codes, code block type coding for kids where it's like mm -hmm. you, you have predetermined things already built in there and you stack the blocks one on top of the other. When you do that, it um, you essentially program out whatever it is that the character or thing's going to do. Um, this, on the other hand, though, offers integration, of course, with the touchscreen and, of course, offers integration with the Joy-Cons as well that you can program too. So it's not just you setting something and then letting it run automatically. You set it, and then you actually play the game itself, too. See, and I, I think this looks super cool. I'll, I'll probably end up picking this one up, even if I only play it, like, twice. Um, it, just the idea of it so neat. Like, I, I've i played something similar, but not... Uh, of course, I have Dreams. I, I've never popped it in and actually installed it, though. It's still sitting on my shelf sealed but i mean harken back to the days of like playstation with rpg maker you know this is something that we always dreamed of as kids so mm -hmm. yeah i mean i'll even say it you know mario paint of course has to make a comment here because it allowed you to design and create things on there not it games did. of course but you know that's been nintendo's thing for a while and it's not a shock necessarily that it's been that way um yeah but I like the fact that you can program stuff like you can program your games and it's full fledged control with the joy cons, but then you can share those with people. And I'm hoping that it doesn't require you to have Nintendo switch online to share them, that they'll offer some sort of ability to do it without needing that. Um, other than of course, local sharing. On the other hand, I, I, I do also hope they offer that support as well. Um, and it's more open than it's ever been. I think that'd be really cool for a Nintendo game that they just go, okay, guys, you can just post your stuff on there, search for a user if you like, search for a game type if you like, and just have at it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I, I think it would have a lot of success that way, in all honesty. I think so, too. And I think one of the, I think one of the big selling points even on this is not just the even just the game program in general, but there was one part of the trailer where it actually showed uh, you being able to essentially draw out your own characters and effectively animate your uh, effectively animate your character and then program it mm -hmm. to do whatever it is you tell it to do uh, based on that animation, of course. So like they showed off like a baseball game where one character, you know, one frame for the character was a uh, arm back with a ball in the hand. And then the next one was throwing forward with the ball going through the air and then the other one was holding a baseball bat and a couple of uh, frames there to actually hit the ball. You imagine somebody with enough time and patience to actually draw out something in there could make some crazy cell shaded, you know, hand drawn animated game and just be crazy cool, you know, incredible with it. I mean, especially because you, you can take the Switch. Have you played Splatoon on the Switch or on the Wii U? No, I have not played Splatoon. Oh, man. Um, a big part of the game because it, it is an online game is it would display these like images that people had drawn oh um, yeah I've, i know what you're talking like about. above them mm -hmm. yeah i i could see people going insane with the drawing on the switch tablet Espe especially if you get somebody that gets one of those stylists that are um mm -hmm. that will work with a capacitive screen like this you're gonna see some really cool looking things drawn out oh yeah definitely Although I'm already cringing because I don't know if I want to play a Super Mario Brothers clone where it's Waluigi in a bikini. 
So I know that's coming, and I know that's a thing. It's, I, I, it's, <laughs> I'm being. It's yeah. It's you're on the internet enough. You see happen. just about fucking it's everything. Gonna happen. Yeah. It really is gonna happen. If it wasn't uh, gonna happen, you just willed it into existence. So there you go. Well, okay. The art exists of Waluigi in, bikini, in a bikini. I will send it to you later. I will send you links to it. I don't want to, but I will because you have to suffer like I did. In the meantime, instead of suffering <laughs> further on this discussion, we're going to move on to the next story. And that next story here is talking about Yakuza. So from Polygon, Yakuza sequels will be turn-based while judgment focuses on action, Sega says. Sega's Yakuza games will continue on as a uh, as turn-based role-playing games as established by last year's entry Yakuza Like a Dragon, while the franchise's judgment spin-off games will focus on street-brawling real-time action. Developer Ryuga Gotoku's executive director uh, Toshihiro Nagoshi uh, confirmed the split direction for the Yakuza franchise during a live stream on Friday, saying that his studio plans to further refine what makes each series great. For Yakuza Like a Dragon, we changed the game's battle system from action into a turn-based RPG, Nagoshi said during a Q&A session after the announcement of Lost Judgment, a new game in the larger Yakuza franchise. This was a huge challenge for us, but it was well-received, which we were thrilled to hear. We did discuss the possibility of developing the battle system further for our next title, and while we may pursue the turn-based system even outside of the Yakuza series, the conclusion we ended up uh, at that at was the that because this is a different series the best approach would be to keep them separate and refine what makes each series great it's my hope that our customers feel the same way we do that's why we chose action as an important keyword for the judgment series uh lost judgment a sequel to 2019's detective thriller judgment will feature a greater emphasis on action than the original playstation 4 game protagonist Takayuki Yagami will return armed with three fighting styles in the sequel, and he'll have more active abilities during his investigations. Gameplay of Lost Judgment showed Yagami climbing up buildings while running and leaping from ledges, as well as refined stealth-based gameplay. Yakuza Like a Dragon upended the series' traditional beat-up action for turn-based gameplay inspired by Square Enix's Dragon Quest roleplay games. It was a major diversion for the previously action-focused Yakuza franchise, so much so that when Sega first showed off Yakuza Like a Dragon, it was widely believed to be an April Fool's Day joke. However, Ryuga Gotoku Studio pulled off the genre switch, uh, pulled the genre switch off. In a review of the game, uh, or excuse me, Polygon's review of the game, they said Like a Dragon reinvigorates the Yakuza franchise while retaining the essence of its predecessors. So. I watched a little bit of this live stream and I literally did not know what I was watching because I am so far <laughs> out from what Yakuza is. I've played very little of Yakuza, so I didn't know what the hell was going on. But as a person, Kyle, that has played this and Lost Judgment's now coming out, what are your feelings on this? What are, What's your take on all of this? Where do you sit? You know, um, after playing a, a fair chunk of Like a Dragon and... I've played, uh, uh, I'd say maybe a couple hours of just I, I think it was, uh, the first Yakuza remastered mm -hmm. actually, um, I I I really enjoy the uh, the the turn based style the the RPG aspect, uh, the the beat 'em up was really cool, but I I think splitting it off into two different. Uh, two different titles, two significant styles. Um, I, I think it's a way to go. I, I, 
I don't know. I I, I like the idea, and I I could I I like Yakuza as an RPG. So um, it really works just well, and and the goofiness of of the the game that it already had in the prior titles that it brings to the table with the RPG aspect. It 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 just ties in so well. Okay. So okay. And I don't then... know. I, I I think the more serious game, it 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 would definitely work better as a beat 'em up. And to to continue this the series as you know, this is going to be Yakuza, your standard Yakuza game that has you know it could be serious, but it's going to have a few wacky things in it. Whereas Lost Judgment's going to be you know your serious investigatory and beat 'em up side of the uh, story. Yeah. I'd run with that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and I like I had seen that Sega was going live on something today and I was wondering what the heck it was because I was like Lost Judgment, what the hell is this? And so mm-hmm. I watched it and I was um I only watched as much as I really could. Um because of course it was on at the same time I was at work. And what I noticed particularly about it, of course, though, is just the in-depth side of things when it came to the mystery they were investigating, the um, who they were confronting, and that it really gave me. Uh, it definitely looked like Yakuza because I, I didn't know what it was going into it, um, but part of it almost gave me more of like Heavy Rain type vibes, is how the game was going to be played. More like your, um, more like that as you approach different things when you're walking around, you know, you're going to have all these different options and different morality choices and things mm-hmm. that would line up and, and allow you to explore the mystery of whatever it is you were trying to, to research and understand. And the way that the, the actual trailer played out uh, for what they were showing off for lost judgment was um, man, that was crazy in depth with what they were investigating, what, what the, I guess the circumstances of it were at least that you could see there. It gave mm-hmm. off, um, almost like watching it a bit, it kind of partially gave off like law-abiding citizen-type vibes. Oh, whoa. It, it, it really did, like, watching the trailer. It really felt like I was wa- like watching something with, like, law-abiding c- citizen again. Um, but that's why I was curious on your thought with it, since you've actually played these games before and where your where your stance was with it, so... So the, the Judgment series I haven't played, but I'm, I'm familiar with it, so... Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, good stuff. Uh, I think the article went on to say here. Let me see if there's any dates on anything. Um, uh, Just trying to remember if there was anything I saw here. Um, There was nothing really announced for anything uh, date-wise here. It wasn't in the article. Um, And I don't think there was anything mentioned in the live stream. But, um. I mean, it's probably going to be coming up for pre-order here pretty soon. So if you're a person who likes, you know, break the rules and go and pre-order games, by all means, go sign up for it if you're a Yakuza fan for sure, and then let us know how it is. Uh, In the meantime, out of other crazy interesting things going on in the world, this was definitely an interesting one. So Kyle, you got to talk to us about this next one here, because this just is interesting, to say the least, of what's coming up next year. Uh, From Android Police, we have got... Ubisoft bringing the division to smartphones just as Tom Clancy would have wanted. Um, okay, then. So what is uh, going on here with um, the division? Ubisoft has published a blog post detailing the future plans for the division and its series of looter shooters, 
including in the included in the post information about the upcoming mobile version of the division. Uh, the studio says it plans uh, bring to bring its uh, the division universe to mobile, uh, but what form this game will take is anyone's guess. As it doesn't uh, as it doesn't sound like a direct port of the console or PC title. Uh, there's little go- little to go on today since Ubisoft only mentioned the upcoming mobile version of the division in a quick blurb. Uh, which you can read in full below. Um, and of course it says, uh, the, the division will be coming to mobile platforms for the very first time, bringing the universe to an even wider audience. We'll have more details on the exciting project at a later date. Uh, this is literally all we have to go on so far. And I can't say that the uh, wording sounds very promising. While I'm sure mobile gamers would expect a port of the the first title in the PC console series, the fact the above blurb mentions that it wants to bring the universe to a broader audience sounds like this title will exist as some sort of mobile offshoot, uh, which is precisely how the uh, the Play Store gets filled with branded cash grabs. While... um, Let's see. Well, I'd like to remain hopeful on Ubisoft. Uh, is it planning a mobile release to cash in? I sure wouldn't put it past the company since its current mobile catalog is relatively medi- uh, mediocre. Uh, still, I'd like to hold out hope for a direct port so Ubisoft will have some good news to share following in the following months. So... Not only did we get the announcement of a new division game with Heartland, but we also got the announcement of this mobile title. And Mm -hmm. I think the sky's the limit on what this could really be, especially for the division. And I want to kind of bring up our conversation here that we had the other. This was yesterday. This was announced, wasn't it? Yeah, it was yesterday. I think so. Yeah. Uh, Let me see here what we had we had said to each other, because this is one of those things that I was still thinking about though too um nope that's your cpu overheating so i had said i think the division going free to play would be awesome this might have been about um uh heartland um yeah yeah yeah. but i think that i still think this applies to mobile though it's going to depend on what the game is like first if it's the same way it is now it should be fine but if you get into battle royale then i don't know maybe they'll go the route of escape from tarkov so i know that was definitely aim more at heartland but i think um I think this could really be the same way, though, too, that um, we've got PUBG Mobile being still very popular, Call of Duty Mobile Mm -hmm. still very popular, you know, at least like looking at shooters. But looter shooters, though, on mobile, I can't name any. And I wouldn't even know really where to begin with what this game could be. I have to imagine it'd just be a duplicate of what The Division and The Division 2 have been so far. Yeah, that that's all I can kind of come to the conclusion of. I'm sitting here trying to think of anything, just anything that's mm. a looter shooter, and I'm like, no, there's there's no mobile looter shooters. So. And then you're also talking about kind of like a living universe, though, too, where it's not just you running around completing missions, but you're partying up mm-hmm. with randos as well to actually go and complete those. Uh, right. And then, of course, there's the carrying over of purchasing weapons and accessories and and whatnot, though, as, as you continue to play through the game. I don't know what this game is going to be. Am I curious? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely to see it. I, I do enjoy the division and the division too, but it's just what it could be on mobile is what really perplexes me. And after, <clears throat> excuse me, after what we saw in the promises for what the division was supposed to be originally, remember the E3 trailer when that came out? You mm -hmm. know, someone flying around a, uh, um, a little uh, drone trying to mark out where people were and just how glorious that game looked. And then the division had problems there at launch and division two was okay, but suffered still the same way. Yeah. <coughs> oh my God. Um, yeah. I think that you're going to start running into some of that same stuff that they're going to be hyping it up and then go from there. But I don't know. Mobile gaming is still growing at a, at a large pace here where we have gaming phones coming out now, you know, every six months we got a new gaming phone. So yep. don't know. What, what do you think though? I mean, what do you think? Like, if you were to have a division game than a mobile, what would it be? Hmm. What would you pay? AR tactical RPG. <laughs> Just something off the wall. AR AR tactical RPG. AR tactical RPG. Yeah, it's it's Pokemon <sighs> Go meets uh meets XCOM. <laughs> So you're telling me as you're walking around town, instead of hitting Pokestops, you've got places where people are, uh, um, you know, like you've got enemy factions that are holding down places and you've got to shoot them. Oh, yeah. I can imagine somebody walking up here sure. to a uh, to a uh, to a Pokestop that happens to be in front of the state capitol or the state Supreme Court building and says, yeah, I'm going to shoot these guys really quick. Yeah. Kyle. Great idea. <laughs> I, I'm, great idea. We're, we're, this is such a great idea. We're on a list now. Okay we're on a list so thanks honestly for though on, in all honesty though when they say just division mobile it could honestly just be a companion app it, it very well could be it could be something that's similar you to like think what, about it because they, they are so, still supporting uh standard divi division right what i'm thinking of though was uh like you said as a as a companion uh was like xbox what was it smart glass well, not even necessary. Well, no, yeah, kind of like that, because uh, like you, you'd have your your stuff That's that you thing. had from Division, from you know the first time you went to New York, uh, your stuff from Division Two, and the second time you went to New York with right. the uh, uh, expansion. Then you've got your stuff that when you went out, probably out west when it says Heartland, you know, and yeah. then you know there's new content coming. Why wouldn't they have uh, an app to tie it all together? I mean, it could be something just as simple as that. True. That's very true. But uh, in, in all honesty, I think it would be really cool if they did launch just like, even if it was one that you could only go into smaller areas, you know, just maybe like, I'd say like a third of the size of one of the areas in the zone, you know? So you're, you're talking pretty small, a few blocks, but you have like 10 or 12 of them that you can go into and do missions in and just, you know, have a full single player story. Mm -hmm. That would be, okay. the, that would be a cool mo mo uh, mobile game. Okay. I can see that. I can, I can work with that and live with that. Whoa. Guy, guy. Hey, you're all right. You're having a bad dream. Chill out. The dog is sleeping on the couch over here, and it's just <gasps> sleeping, just having a bad dream. Poor oh, pup. Oh, jeez. 
No, no bad dreams, doggo. All right. So uh, I, I think you're on the right track, though, with what that mobile game could be for sure. I think that end up that probably end up like will end up being probably the better solution for something if there is anything. Um, so, so Borderlands, hit me up if you want another idea like that. <laughs> Did they? No, I'm. I'm just saying that if they do, they they can hit me up. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Of course they can. <laughs> yeah. Any royalty checks? Please make sure to make out to the NPCs, and yeah, we can we can work out. Yeah, some we need more there. equipment. <laughs> we do. We do. Daddy needs a new Elgato. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so let's move on here to our next story. Of course, talking financials. You know, we were kind of alluding to this with the Nintendo. Uh, uh, game announcement, of course, is we have got, and I've got, oh my god, okay, you know what? I need to silence these. Um, Steam is going absolutely apeshit right now because I got people who want to, uh, who want to play, um, uh, CSGO right now. Um, oh, jeez. But no, I'm busy talking with you guys, talking with Kyle. Anyway, uh, yeah, of course, in the grand scheme of financials, we alluded to this with Nintendo's uh, story on their new upcoming programming game here. But now, of course, we're going to talk about the actual financials and how well the Switch is doing. So from IGN, Switch sales near 85 million in Nintendo's most profitable year ever. Nintendo has reported that it has experienced its most profitable financial year on record with operating profit up 81% year on year. Additionally, the company is approaching 85 million sales of its Nintendo Switch console. As revealed in Nintendo's financial results for the year ending March 31st, 2021, operating profit has risen 81.8% year-on-year, up to 640 billion yen, or $5.9 billion. Ordinary profit is recorded at an 88.4% increase, sitting at 679 billion yen, or $6.2 billion. This surpasses the company's previous gross profit record of 501 billion yen recorded in March of 2019. It's not quite a record year for net sales revenue, but it's close. At 1.76 billion yen or 16.1 billion dollars, it is the second highest year on record just behind 2009's 1.83 billion yen or 16.8 billion dollars. Lifetime sales of the Nintendo Switch are now at 84.59 million units, with 28.8 million of those being sold just last year. That's over both standard uh, and light versions of the consoles. 14.7 million of those units are Switch lights. Uh, the year saw Nintendo sell 230.9 million games, meaning 587.12 million games been sold for the console to date. A huge contributor to this year's sales were Animal Crossing New Horizons, which sold 20.85 million units. As for Mario, the leader of the pack remains uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which sold an additional 10.62 million copies this year, bringing its total to 35.4 million. Super Mario 3D All-Star sold 9 million copies, but further growth has now been throttled due to it being taken off sale. Super Mario 3D World plus Bowser's Fury, meanwhile, has sold 5.6 million units to date. Uh, Ring Fit Adventure also saw a strong year with 7.38 million copies sold, bringing lifetime sales to 10.11 million. Pandemic lockdown and the search for home exercise equipment no doubt contributed to this huge demand. Tell me about it. I couldn't find it myself. Of the games sold this year, 42.8% were sold digitally, which is an increase over last year's 34%. Looking ahead, Nintendo expects a decline in profit and revenue in the year that will end in March 2022. The demand for consoles and games experienced through the pandemic lockdowns will be hard to match, but does note that it has an array of anticipated games to come. Those include the already announced Metopia, Mario Golf Super Rush, The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword HD, and Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl in 2021, and the newly announced Game Creator Garage. 
In early 2022, we can also expect Pokemon Legends Arceus, not to men- uh, and no mention was made of a release date for Breath of the Wild 2. So, man, uh, Nintendo is, as always, just killing it. I mean, oh, what- yeah. What was it that came out in 2009, though, that topped those sales? Was it, it had to be 2000, it had to be something with the Wii for it to be that high. 2009. I'm trying to think, because that was what they said. DS. Here in the, it was, uh, yeah. DS was in 2009. DS, the DSi was in 2009, I think. I think, let's see. Uh, hmm. uh, let's see. Uh, Nintendo releases 2009 i'm looking this up right now uh let's see the dsi was released in 2009 yep uh let's see game releases i'm just taking a look here to see they had the new punch out game drop uh mario and luigi's bowser inside bowser's inside story pokemon platinum and heart gold and soul silver dropped uh, new Super Mario Bros. Wii dropped. Mario and Sonic at the Olympic Winter Games. Kingdom Hearts 358 over 2 dropped. Uh, Legend of Zelda Spirit Tracks dropped. God, that was a good year. Um, uh, let's see. That year, they discontinued the GameCube. Wow. Uh, Black Model of the original Wii was released. The Game Boy Advance, Advance SP, and Game Boy Micro were discontinued in Europe. DSi XL was also announced uh let's see yeah so it was it was those things that is why 2009 was such a big Mm. year then okay that that makes sense in the grand scheme of all that that makes sense then uh but man nintendo just with this run here it just seems like they're not going to be able to stop and i'm surprised that we haven't seen any announcement though again for another a refresh of the switch right i mean it's selling so Um, well you know why haven't they said this anything point, yet? I mean, Nintendo has the uh, has the deal with uh, who who was it? Was it Samsung for those those QLED screens? Uh, not QLED, OLED, OLED. Oh, OLED. Yeah, yeah. So they're seven twenty p seven twenty p OLED screens. Uh, Nvidia is making a new chip. Uh, and. What was the other thing? Uh, so I mean, we're 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 dipping stuff. our toes into the water ever so slowly. The only thing that Nintendo needs to do to to make a little bit more money off the next generation of consoles, uh, or the next refresh, I should say, even uh, mm-hmm. release six different colors of it, and there will be people that buy like three different colors just to have them. Or make sure that you really release those sought after special editions. Like, look what the look at the Nintendo oh, Switch yeah. uh, Animal Crossing special edition. You know, oh yeah, that was a big one. And I'm sure we're gonna. I know we're getting special edition Joy Cons for Skyward Sword HD coming out. Um, I wonder if we'll see a uh, special Switch or Switch dock or something to also go with that. But yeah, you get mm-hmm. those special like tie in ones, and you're on point. Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck am I stepping on? Okay. I'm moving my foot over here. Like, I, I was trying to just stretch out there a second because I've been, like, tucked up here a little bit. My daughter left this little thing here. I about freaked out there for a second. This stupid little spider toy thing was just sitting on the goddamn floor. Way to go. My daughter's trying to <laughs> prank me even while she's in bed. Anyway, um, you are right. With the Switch, 
we have started to receive enough information that the Switch Pro is inevitable. I think we should be hearing something, you'd really think, soon. But mm -hmm. you're right. Um, I think it's going to be a little bit of time before we uh, before we see something, unfortunately. Maybe it'll be tied in with E3. Maybe they'll drop a hint at something like, what was it? Um, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, last time when we were doing the Switch, we told you we got NX now. Now get ready for NX Squared or something, you know, NX Pro. Yeah, or, or something for the holiday season. I see them doing it as a holiday season yeah. release. And I, I think now would be the time to strike with it too especially with mm -hmm. the uh uh just hear what this this afternoon there's been all this information leaking out about playstation maybe uh doing a refresh on the console next year um nobody just, has it to be able to allow for a refresh well that's the thing is they're going to change the uh, semiconductors in it that to a, a more available semiconductor it's still the it's size still in, of your head or, yeah it, it, i mean it it's still pretty unavailable it's just more readily available than with the one they're already using right now that's just funny i don't know why yeah. but i just find that funny uh alex it, added, it does seem silly yeah and alex added here he's like that pokemon title about diamond and shining is that possibly a pink floyd reference god i don't know and i surely <laughs> i surely hope not i'm sure that as as funny as that would be, I'm very positive. It's just the way that the Japanese like to name things off. And, you know, they definitely like to put that type of stuff on there to elicit thoughts of what that actually looks like. You know, you hear Diamond and Pearl. It's like, okay. But then it's like you add on, uh, what are the actual names again here? Brilliant Diamond and Shining Pearl. Um, you know, it, it's they're trying to, to illustrate such, but whatever. Um Anyway, uh, yeah, I don't think there's much else to say there on the Switch sales stuff right now. Uh, one of the other stories that we were going to talk about uh, didn't make it to the list, of course, on our stories. We still got three more to do for tonight, but we'll make mention of this really quick, is that um, it recently came to light that uh, there is a lawsuit being opened up right now against Sony for digital sales in the PlayStation Store. And Kyle, I, I know I read up on it, of course. Did you happen to read up on it at all? Um, a little bit yeah. so let's yeah. do that really quick and then we'll hop into these last three stories so what exactly is it that you read about that's going on with it um, and then we can talk about it further so the major thing that is going on is it used to be that you were able to go into stores and buy playstation uh four and three games digitally but yep. at a storefront like walmart gamestop so on and so forth now with the PlayStation 5 and continuing on with the PlayStation games, for some reason, they are discontinuing this. So they are no longer allowing any storefront to carry any digital codes uh, that would normally be provided by the PlayStation Network. So effectively limiting you now from what you used to be able to do to now forcing you to go through the store and lose out on that ability to at least, you know, potentially get a good deal to get a discount. This is correct. Yes. Cause, mm -hmm. um, a, a lot of times when storefronts would do the, uh, discounts on games. Um, and this is one of the reasons that they would only carry digital codes for roughly a month or two after launch. Um, and then sometimes spottily after that, but, mm -hmm. um, when, when the games went on sale physically, 
the stores would actually discount the the codes other than i i believe it was gamestop uh didn't do that but uh target and walmart would would actually i believe discount the digital codes for the games to match right. the uh physical sales okay hmm so sony's got itself in a little bit of a pickle there right now given the fact that it's locking them into that right now and of course you know it's kind of funny that it all kind of circles back to what we're seeing with the epic versus apple right now is that it's like the only mm -hmm. way you can get like the v bucks for fortnite originally was you know if you're playing it on an apple device is that you had to go through the app store you had to do the apple pay functionality to be able to actually do it so that way they got their cut of revenue and so on it's it's really keeping everything there in-house to to prevent those sort of deals from actually being able to happen and yeah that's that's definitely a problem i guess well, we and Sony forced their own hand with this one too, because True. they 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 took out the disk drive in order to to lower the expense and the the cost of the system. Um, so so it would be mm -hmm. more available, which it still isn't, um, to people. But yeah, um, by by taking away the ability to even buy games just from the store, like to from Walmart, go and buy a digital code. That removes some people's ability to buy buy codes. I I mean there are people that are willing to do all digital, but the the caveat being they're not having to use their card digitally, you know, on a console, on a computer. It's all at a store. So the only thing that they're putting into a console, a computer, so on and so forth, is just a code. Yeah, and it's that is a very excellent point because a lot of the focus on video games as of late hasn't necessarily been physical copies, but those digital copies. And of course, a lot of that's been also hamstrung by storage capacities in these all digital edition devices, which then require you to go and shell out more money to be able to expand said storage. Uh, mm -hmm. Cause there's no like variable storage options available, just like it was back in the day with the uh, like the Xbox 360 as an example. Uh, but even with that, it's yeah it stifles everything and holds everything back so we have to see what happens with the lawsuit of course this is all still new stuff but again i think this can tie back to the epic versus apple litigation that's going on right now and we just have to see and wait uh what to what comes of this with sony and whether or not that the yeah. practice may end up changing because of it which to be perfectly honest probably will i bet you almost it probably will so, oh, yeah, I, I don't doubt it. And I, I think I could see there maybe not necessarily major changes, but we could see even ripples on like PC gaming of like games going down in, in price uh, more, more, more frequently and sooner after release. Like, you know, not spending 10 years at 60 bucks, you know, after, you know, a couple of years actually going down to like 40 and then. You know, mm -hmm. when it's 10 years out, not necessarily being the full $60, being more like $20, you know, something more reasonable. Agreed. Absolutely. So, All right. Well, anyway, that was a quick blurb. Of course, that got us off of our regular schedule there. But we got three more stories for you guys, and then we're wrapping up for tonight. So uh, let's go ahead and talk about this story here. Kyle, this is on you this time. And it's from Polygon again. And we're going to be talking about E3 here a little bit. So what is going on now in the E3 world, Kyle? 
E3 2021 just got bigger with the game publishers and developers Square Enix, Sega, Bandai Namco Entertainment, Xseed Games, and Gearbox Entertainment confirming their attendance. Those companies will jo uh, join previously announced ex exhibitors Nintendo, Xbox, Capcom, Ubisoft, Take-Two Interactive, Warner Brothers Games, and Koch Media. Um... Or is is that Coke Media? It's, it's Coke Media. Oh, it's Coke. K O C H, yeah, Coke. Okay, so at, at this year's uh, reimagined all virtual E3, mm -hmm. uh, the Entertainment Software Association confirmed those attendees in the new release Thursday. The ESA also added Freedom Games, uh, DVSI Entertainment, Turtle Beach, Verizon and binge.com to the list of companies preparing to bring major announcements and reveals to fans throughout E3. With the addition of Bandai Namco, that surely means that we'll get an update on Elden Ring at E3, right? Right, 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 guys? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, one company that won't be at E3 2021, despite previously confirming its attendance, is Konami. The company announced wow. last week that it will be backing out of the show due to timing. Konami said in a statement on Twitter, we want to reassure our fans that we are in deep development on a number of key projects. Uh, so please stay tuned for some updates in the coming months. Wow. Uh, E3. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, E3 2021 will take place June 12th to the 15th. Uh, content from the show will be free to access thanks to ESA's global media partners. Last year's E3 was canceled, of course, due to COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, the ESA scrapped E3 2020 in March of last year, and organizers are planning for an in-person E3 in 2022. Hmm. Okay, so we added some on the developers, but what throws me off is that ESA added on a few things here. Okay, first off, I gotta look these guys up. Who in the absolute hell is Binge.com? Get ready for the future of gaming entertainment. Binge is an immersive streaming platform created for the gaming universe. What is... Uh, it's Walmart. <laughs> no, this is... um. This is... um. This looks like this is a competitor to um, Twitch huh? and to YouTube uh, gaming, YouTube Live. It <laughs> literally is. I was just saying it was Walmart to throw it out there. It's, it'd be funny if it was. Like, I don't even know who the hell, like, this is. Um, what happens if I just go to their Twitter? Is there anything here? 30 follower. Let's see. Joined April of 2018. So they've been around a while. Um, at least a little bit. Uh, I literally don't know who these guys are. It's like they created the Twitter and then just filled it up with stuff only in the last couple weeks or so. Okay, so binge.com is some sort of new streaming service. Verizon, I assume, is going to be some sort of 5G partnership thing, I'm guessing, with some um, sort of streaming company. I think they company. actually own a game company. Take a look and see what you can find there. Yeah. Uh, Freedom Games. How much you want to bet Freedom Games is a part of the Department of Defense? I don't know why. Uh, no, it's an indie thing. I don't know why. Just it, Let's see. Uh, Freedom Games. Oh, One Lonely Outpost. Uh, Coromon, Godstrike. 
uh, cat cafe manager. Okay. I don't know who this actually, I don't know besides one lonely outpost. Uh, let's see here. Uh, who else we got? Devious eye entertainment. Everybody knows who turtle beach is. Um, what does devious eye make? Uh, looks like the game they have listed here is before the storm. I think. Oh, a budding hmm. video game. Oh, that's a video game company. Uh, as is everyone. We are a studio. Like, like I'd like to see their game list here instead of just scrolling through stuff. Um, no, DVSI doesn't look like necessarily they're a game studio. They look more like they're a they're a content producer. That like they actually are like uh, creators is who they are. So they're not a dev or anything. So Freedom Games is a dev. So... DVSI Entertainment is a producer. Turtle Beach, of course, makes peripherals. Verizon, we all know who Verizon is as well. And Binge.com looks to be some type of competitor to uh, Twitch and YouTube Live. I think your uh, Verizon, or I should say the Verizon studio that I was talking about is Riot. It looks like they are supporting uh, or expanding a partnership that they have with uh between riot and verizon uh because of league of legends and 5g league of legends and 5g you're gonna be able to buy a skin for your character in league of legends that's verizon branded i want to be able to walk around i want to be able to walk around in the khakis and the blue coat with a phone up to my ear that says you know through mid that says can you hear me now and then that's my what was it last year we uh we reported on a demo, uh, or not even a demo. It was uh, for through Verizon. They were giving out content for what was it, Avengers, before the game had even released while the demo was out. Oh, that's right. Yeah, wasn't that? Yeah, bad? yeah, interesting. Yeah, it had a whole costume set, so that's pretty yeah. bizarre. Well, I mean, I guess they're branching out. I had to look those other ones up. Okay, so E three is at least growing the way we expect it to. Um, it's gonna be interesting to see content, of course. But the fact that Konami backed out is um, interesting. But it's whatever. I mean, in the grand scheme of what's going on right now, it's not a shock to really see people like companies, or at least a I company mean, or two, pulling back. It's not a I'm shock. To, I'm I'm kind of wondering what else they're working on besides that uh, New Castlevania. Well, and I don't even know if they're they're working on that because uh, well, supposedly that's being put out by Limited Run Games, isn't it? Yeah, and supposedly David Hayter has been tapped to come back and re-record voice lines for Snake for some sort of oh, re-release of that, Metal yeah. Gear as well. So whether or not that's being done in-house at Konami or by another um, developer that will then publish through Konami. Um, it's just, and I yeah. had heard that was going to be uh, – PlayStation was going to be involved with that one. So I could see Bluepoint picking that one up. maybe you know um, especially you know after having such a major launch with uh with demon souls on release of the ps5 so mm-hmm. i don't know yeah it's a possibility yeah okay hmm maybe but we'll get more news konami will have their own event here soon and be able to tell us what's going on there but 
Let's move on. Two more stories left for uh, today, everybody. So let's talk about this second to last one here from Polygon. Uh, again, talking about an interesting thing that they're doing. Uh, here are the games nominated for the first Tribeca Game Awards. Uh, the Tribeca Film, F Film Festival announced its official selection for the inaugural Tribeca Games Award on Thursday. The lineup includes a handful of anticipated games and a few lesser-known ones as well. Sable, Kenna, Bridge of Spirits, Harold Halibut, Lost in Random, Norco, Signalis, The Big Con, and 12 Minutes. The festival, which is slated for June 9th through the 20th, 2021 in New York City, marks a decade since Rockstar Games' L.A. Noir became the first video game ever to be honored as an official selection at the 2011 festival. Now these titles will be in competition for the first Tribeca Games Award, which uh, honors an unreleased game for its potential for excellence in art and storytelling through design, artistic mastery, and highly immersive worlds, a release shared. Casey Baltus, uh, vice president of Tribeca Games, said in a release that the 2021 selections showcase the potential for phenomenal storytelling and interactive experiences with characters and worlds that explore the deep connection we have to ourselves and the world around us. This year expands, uh, expands events dedicated to video games at the film festival considerably. In addition to Hideo Kojima, John Favreau will be joining Tribeca Film Festival Games Program, and there will be a live outdoor performance of a selection of music from Rockstar Games' Red Dead Redemption 2 in New York City's The Battery. Additionally, Tribeca Games Programming will offer digital experiences as a part of the Tribeca at-home virtual offerings for a portion of the festival where fans can play or where fans play hands-on digital demos from emerging and established creators. Uh, okay. I mean, yeah, sure. It's it's another awards show for video games. I I think it's cool because it's a film festival, um, recognizing games as a form of of creative media, as an actual form of art. Where a lot of people yeah. are really fighting for a lot of that. Yeah, I can I can see that part. Yeah. It's just it's. I I will say though. To that effect, I have not heard of a single one of those other than Kenna Bridge's Spirits. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard of any of those either, but even said that they're upcoming games, though, too, and they look like they're most likely indie games. Um, I am curious to actually see information on these games. I mean, we've only got a couple weeks to go until this actual event. Mm -hmm. um, but if Tribeca is doing it, what does that mean then? Does that mean like Sundance Film Festival will come out with the Sundance Games Award? Um, uh, I don't know. There's there's so many others out there as well. But, um, you know, it's great that this is what's happening and that it's art, um, you know, mm -hmm. that it, there is that recognizing of it. I think that's an excellent point that you made, Kyle. I think it's just, it's just interesting to see that that's who's doing it. There's Tribeca that's doing it. You know, it, it's it was just something I didn't expect to see. Yeah, neither neither did I. So when I stumbled ac across the article, I was like, "That that's that's bizarre, but it's it's really mm -hmm. cool." You Absolutely, know? I I think it's great that we're making that strides. That you know that it can be. Uh, I mean, it we've come a long way. I I I mention it because I wear the shirt so often. But uh, from the uh, all of your base are belong to us. <laughs> You know, we've come so far. We really have. We really have. Uh, you're you're absolutely 100% right on that one. Yeah. Uh, but even with as far as we've come, so have other players. So is much chaos in the world of Titanfall 2. And the fact that that gauntlet speedrun record has been broken yet again. 
We're going to be wrapping up tonight's episode here with this last story that Kyle's going to sign us off with from GameRant.com. Titanfall 2 player breaks gauntlet speedrun record. Kyle, how did this guy do? Titanfall 2 speedruns usually fall into two broad categories, completing the campaign and completing the gauntlet at the start of the game. Mm-hmm. After a speedrunner recently took the number one spot for the gauntlet, the depo- uh, deposed long-reigning champion returned and took re- the record back within a matter of weeks. Cash Mayo uploaded their original record-breaking run of 11.7 seconds for Titanfall 2's gauntlet in October 2019, a record that would be held for about a year and a half, although plenty tried to beat it. On April 2021, uh, or April 22, 2021, the record was finally broken by fellow speedrunner what, uh, Whatever Shoe, who claimed an 11.2 second long run in the gauntlet. However, wow. just over a week later, on May 1st, 2021, Cash Mayo came back and barely took it back uh, or took back the record uh, with a run of 11.1 seconds. In total, Cash Mayo has beaten the world record seven times since Titanfall 2 was released. Uh, in Titanfall 2, uh, the gauntlet is found right at the start of the game. In it, uh, in it of course, it, that tests the player's skills by timing how long it takes to eliminate a set number of targets while traversing through the course. Most players are satisfied with the sub-30 second time but others have pushed the boundaries far, far beyond the original intention of the game. And because of that, the gauntlet is one of the most popular speedrunning categories, let alone uh, in Titanfall 2. There are several several tricks players use to get through the gauntlet at superhuman speed. Titanfall 2 is all about movement and incorporating motion into gunplay, running off walls and effectively maneuvering through the gauntlet's terrain while also shooting are some of the basic strategies that help lower the completion time extremely skilled players will go even further by walking back into the into the course of the building at um and building up momentum and propelling themselves forward with a with multiple grenade boosts um and the best players have perfected these methods titanfall 2 has seen a surge of popularity recently thanks to a free download or a free weekend on steam uh that in Inclusion of a new legend in Apex Legends, who is the daughter of the Apex Predator Viper. Titanfall 2 is on many gamers' minds as of late, thanks to the free weekend and Titanfall 2-related Apex Legends Season 9. Uh, perhaps explaining the sudden turf war happening in the upper echelons of the gauntlet speedrunning community. Some tools, uh, tool-assisted speedruns, uh, speed runs completed by uh, piercing together uh, or piecing together perfect sequences input with a computer have gotten the completion time of the gauntlet down to lower than five seconds. With the strategies and inputs used by tools, tool assisted speed runs are generally impossible for humans to replicate. There's a good chance that there, uh, this isn't the last time the world record for Titanfall 2's gauntlet will be broken. So as you've been talking, I've been playing the video there from our Titanfall just over and over again to watch how this guy's playing. And I, He's good a monster. That's yeah, He's a monster. <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ! Imagine I just would love to see this type of skill actually taken into uh, 
some of those more like major wall running parts of uh, Titanfall 2's campaign. Like when you're going oh through God. like that, when you're going through like that training facility that's being built up where BT's taken away from you and you've got to run after him and that. I'd love to see yep, someone speed yep. run through that. I'm sure there probably I is would, someone, but I damn. would love to see someone just uh, set up a straight shot uh, grenade boost from one side of the facility to the other and complete mm-hmm. it in one go. Like be able to get to the top layer and just do the final that that final fight on that facility top. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be amazing because that is the worst portion of the game. <laughs> yeah, that really is the worst, isn't it? I uh, yeah, I'm exactly that way with you too. I just ugh. yeah. But man, what a what a speed run there for sure, and the fact that it's like eleven point two. But I'm sure that this guy is probably still messing with it and actually getting to the point that we'll probably end up seeing sub eleven here soon from him. But, oh, I'm sure, man, and so you cool know, especially within some of those speedrun communities, they get they get ultra competitive, and this one is a f- no exception. Absolutely. This in Mario, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But of course, with that, that was our last story for tonight, and we actually went about 20 minutes over our normal schedule here talking about yeah. the news. Yeah, we did. There was a lot that happened this week and, of course, a lot that we didn't cover. With that, of course, thanks, everybody, for tuning in to this week's news live stream roundup. Of course, if you liked what you're watching here and you're watching us on Facebook, please make sure to hit that like button on our uh, NPCs page so you know when we go live. Make sure to also hit subscribe. If you are on our YouTube page, you hit subscribe there. Hit the notification bell so when we do go live, you will get a notification when we are up and running. And you can tune in, chat along with us, and let us know what's going on in the gaming world for you. Of course, like I said there at the beginning, we are in partnership with OpenCritic.com. If you would go ahead and uh, take a listen to our most recent weekly recap, that's, of course, us talking about the news as well, but it's in a little bit more of a structured format. This most recent episode is just over 16 minutes long, uh, but go and give that a listen on your favorite podcast platform of choice. Of course, our big thing here. At the NPCs is the podcast that we do, of course, every week for you. Uh, This last week, just some things ended up happening that couldn't get an episode out for you. But we will be back to recording, of course, again. And we'll have a fresh episode for you this next week. Uh, So be sure to go check us out on our homepage for that. Anger.fm slash the dash NPCs dash podcast. Home of our podcast. Again, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. We will catch you all next week. Laters.